0: I'm a nasty woman. I feel like you've done this before. I'm a disgusting fucking woman. <laughs> I never liked that because of
1: that. It was like, why would you say that? I'm
0: so gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh <sorry. laughs> I'm so sorry to people listening to this.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm a nasty woman. Ooh, I'm covered in mites and... Ooze, you, you look, like that. I shit a little bit. You look like the mucinex man. Uh-huh, but the mucinex the the mucinex nasty woman. I'm covered in slime, and I came from your throat. Just stop, just like grossing out our
1: listeners.
0: <laughs> man, we're I'm, not. A gross- I got boils. We're, we're <laughs> I'm not- a nasty woman. <laughs> my my fucking we. I got monkeypox.
1: We are not a gross out podcast. We don't do gross out. That's true. That's not our I, type of humor. Gross out. And I, and I, you know what kind of humor we do? What? Prop humor.
0: And that's true. Check out this needle I'm going to have you lance my boil with. Yeah. <laughs> That strand your ass in a national park
1: What does that even mean?
0: Oh, strand me? Yeah Be like
1: So that I could enjoy all the natural beauty alone without you That's Mm -hmm. very thoughtful, thank you Until nightfall
0: When the the creatures emerge Hello everyone, I'm Liz My name is the creature of the deep (laughs) Brace And of course we have with us producer Young Chomsky Who I met when he was but a babe in the woods And is now A nasty woman adult. You just wanted to say babe in the woods. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, (laughs) I'm not even going to let you jump in, but I am going to say this to our listeners. I'm not going to let Brace announce the tour dates because Mm. I think it's painful for everyone involved. But we are going on tour. There are still tickets available, and there's going to be a little link in the description. Why don't you just check it out there because I don't want Brace to say anything. I don't want to be here for another 45 minutes.
0: It's crazy, because every time I've tried to catch a babe in the woods, it's just like one of these things where, like, bam, helicopters, the police, everybody's kind of coming after me for just, like, you know, walking 10 feet behind you. Oh, my God. It's, there's one trail. Where am I supposed to go? So what if I crouch when I walk? <laughs> what if? So what if I walk cra- crab, walk behind your ass? <laughs> <laughs> that should be your new walk. Just after, just joggers, just yeah. crab walking really quickly behind them?
1: Just, like. Let's go to Washington Square Park and you can crab walk across. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where's NYU? That's where it is. Okay. I'm going to go in there like a crab. Yeah. so on my way tish. through it. Tish. Tish. <laughs> Last time That's I had to cr- explain
1: to Brace that universities have different colleges.
0: Yeah. What did I say? The, the college did I say I went to? I don't remember. Oh, you can't say that on here. No, no, no. I said so. no. Well, I remember. I used to say I went to Tish last year. Oh yeah. No, because I said thought Fordham. that was its own school. And then I was like, I said, oh no. When I Fordham, said, you don't hear. I about said Fordham much. College of, and then unrepeatable on here. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I did get my uh, PhD there. I don't think you did. Yeah, following home dudes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like following the pH, follow, yeah. that's like that's follow. crap walk follow <laughs> yeah, the yeah. funky follow. I'm after you, little buddy, mm. it's cool. You can just because that's the thing. If if you like, <clears throat> I don't fuck with women in parks because so that's fucked up. But if you dudes walking alone in a park, you know my ass is right behind him. <laughs> I'm on him. Like, just to be like white what's on up? rice, just being what you up to. Yeah, what you, what sun what is he wearing? Are you cruising? <laughs> are you? Well, yeah, but like through the park, not like – well, I mean – We I, are it actually talking about it. parks today. That's true. Not the kind of parks that you get your dick sucked by a stranger in, though. No, it's true. We will be talking to Robert Flummerfelt about his um, – well, his experience with some national parks, in the Democratic Republic of the but also um, militarized conservation efforts and uh, the neocolonial – Western regimes imposing them. Yeah,
1: even that undersells it. I got to say, this
0: guy incredible.
1: Great, yeah. Incredible energy.
0: This is the first time I wish that we had a video type podcast. Absolutely, Um, but
1: we don't. And guess what? Only we know how awesome he was on video.
0: Exactly. And with that being said, let's roll the audio, but not video tape. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Truanon. We are currently in a formerly decommissioned Soviet cargo aircraft (laughs) running on one engine, lilting to the side. Lilting? Lilting. Mm. The aircraft's lilting. Like my voice. Over the skies of Africa, transporting a VHS copy of the movie Blood Diamond (laughs) to Elon Musk's incestual father. And his daughter, wife, with us in the cargo hold. We have investigative journalist Robert Flemmerfelt. Robert, welcome to the show. How you doing?
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Thanks to be so here.
0: much for coming on. So, all right, before we get started, well, actually, to start us, that we've had a lot of guests on the show that personally I've wanted to kill. Really? No, but who? I would if it came down to You're not it. if it was say. you or if it was them or me. Oh, it'd okay. have to be me. Wow, well, only one man walking out of there. It'd be weird if you sacrificed yourself. That would, yeah, I f- but but it would make me, I think, look good in the eyes of the public. Okay. Anyways, Robert, um, we are talking to you today because uh, you've had to leave Africa. I was about to say you've had to go out of Africa. You've had to leave Africa um, because some guys were trying to kill you. And that's generally not like a sentence you want to say to a guy. doesn't play well at parties. Um, Can you, before we really get started here on talking about the general gist of what we're talking about, can you tell us why you are currently uh, not in Africa right now?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so um, a little bit of a, going to have to be a little bit of a multi layered answer here, but I'll, I'll move through it a little bit briskly. Um, so I've been based in uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo for the last four years um, in Eastern DRC. And um, uh, for the last year and a half, um, uh, myself and a team of Congolese investigators have been working on an investigation about a national park in Congo. Um, called Biega National Park. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's Mm. uh, an international tourist destination. You know, people come in from all over the world to take pictures of gorillas there, things like this. Um, And it's also a park which uh, has received enormous um, financial support from a lot of different governments in the global north, the German government, U.S. government in different time periods. And anyway, um, we did this investigation of about a year and a half in this park, documenting how um, park rangers have been um, sent on an organized campaign to burn down villages inhabited by an indigenous community, um, shell them with heavy weapons, you know, in the campaign, sort of indiscriminately firing at civilians, even with, you know, sort of belt-fed machine guns employing heavy weapons like mortars and rockets, organizing group rape of indigenous women, all Mm -hmm. as part of a a campaign to uh, push these people off of their land. Um, And so... We worked on this investigation, as I said, for about a year and a half. Um, You know, part of it was literally uh, visiting villages days after they were destroyed, recovering shell casings um, used by the attackers, recovering uh, physical evidence of the attacks, you know, photographing um, the villages while they're literally still smoldering. And anyway, at the beginning of this year, um, we published, you know, about a hundred page sort of investigation touching on all these issues. A lot of the international supporters of the park Uh, sort of panicked, you know, there's a good amount of sort of press attention associated with it. Um, In particular, the Germans, you know, said, this is outrageous and horrible, um, and uh, we're going to make decisions about whether we're going to continue to support the park, you know, which a lot of this was bullshit, because they'd been notified in writing repeatedly of the fact that all this was going on, and, you know, didn't give a fuck when um, uh, the notifications weren't public, but nonetheless, said, you know, this is terrible, and we're going to make decisions about whether or not we'll continue supporting the park, um, Based off of our own investigation that we're organizing, which I was asked to participate in as the author of the original report um, and basically... I went in to sort of support this um, uh, investigation uh, funded by the German government with my colleague who's a Congolese investigator. Um, and we can get into some of the dynamics around all of this. It's a little complicated, but the whole thing was really run like a blunt and violent cover-up in a lot of different ways. Mm. Sources were intimidated. Investigators laughed about gang rape. And in the end, it culminated in efforts by high-level people working for this park um, to hunt down and kill myself, my colleague, as well as um, uh, leaders of the community. So, you know, a ton of people were forced into hiding. My colleague is in a safe house with his family. I was forced to uh, flee the country. You know, guys with guns turned up at my apartment. Ditto for my uh, for my colleague. Ditto for leaders of the community um, who, well... It, Guys with guns turned up in their villages sort of looking for them, for leaders times. of the community who yeah. are key sources for this um, investigation. So basically the short of it is that senior people sort of working with this park um, have been trying to uh, silence everybody who's uh, sought to document or be you know, an outspoken critic of uh, several year campaign of violence against this indigenous community. Yeah.
1: So can we talk a little bit about this park? Like why is like, what's the little bit of the history of the park? And why is it so supported by all these, you know, governments? You mentioned the German government at other times, uh, you know, in the past, the US government, like what's a little bit of the history here?
2: yeah I mean um so this is a park like most of these sort of national parks throughout mm-hmm. throughout the continent around the world. It was established um in the sort of colonial period, so it was established by um, um, the Belgian colonizer mm-hmm. um, and then at independence um, uh, you basically had this you know sort of white Belgian conservationist, this guy called Adrian de Shriver come in um, and uh, start to really lobby the independence government in Congo. Now we're in like the 1970s um, to really sort of formalize uh, restrictions on populations living inside the park um, and also to expand the park. And so right. this guy, the Shriver, went in and there was this particular indigenous community that that I've been talking about, the Batois, um, mm. who, you know, for whom this area inside this park is their ancestral homeland. They've lived there literally for um, uh, millennia. Um, since time immemorial, and uh, this guy, Shriver, who, by the way, I mean, he's like really a lion figure until today, you know, among conservationists. He was like the last, uh, uh, one of the last sons of the minister. Yeah, he was the son of the last minister of the colonies or something, you know. So there's like the standard. Yeah, 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 Belgium. So like standard.
0: Yeah, that's like being the son of uh, Otto Scorzani or something. It's not a a great...
2: Yeah. Belgian minister
0: of the Congo is probably one of the most bloodthirsty jobs that you can get in the the 20th century
2: 100 100%. and that's like you know with all these things it's like these direct links um to you know sort of enormously destructive colonial enterprises but anyway this dude comes in you know and like i said until today you know you got on reddit like videos of the guy walking around with gorillas and you know people sort of um uh masturbating about it but nonetheless this guy comes in and um he talks to members of the indigenous community says can you show me where all the gorillas are show me the different areas the floor and the fauna um uh you know he sort of maps out the the uh the area that would become the park a little bit then he goes back to europe comes back not long thereafter accompanied by park guards and soldiers and tells the community this is no longer your land you got to get the hell out of here you know the villages burnt down everyone forced out at gunpoint that was in the middle of the 1970s um So then you had this community living in really, really enormously um, terrible conditions for several decades. Um, By some estimates, about half of the community dies off from that point. Um, And you've also got this sort of progressive um, death of sort of cultural elements that are really core Mm -hmm. to the existence of this community. So really Mm. sort of, you know, this is this project is genocidal in its impact, um, on the Batois. Um, then come 2018, you've got sort of a radical core of the leadership, um, Mm. make a decision, you know, damn the torpedoes, fuck the consequences. We're going to go back in, you know, this land is ours. We've, received however many broken promises for decades, whatever, we're going to go back in and rebuild our villages. So in 2018, you've got this return villages rebuilt. And this is when you have the beginning of this new wave of enormous violence, incidentally backed at different points by the US government, German government, other sort of international actors. Yeah.
1: When we were talking yesterday, you kind of described this as, um, I mean, you just, you described it very directly as neocolonialism. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they hear that term, they don't usually associate it with like conservation movements, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in, I don't know, in Western governments, global North governments that Like we were talking about this yesterday and you said, like, why are the government supporting this? Like, what are they getting out of this other than it's, you know, it's a kind of like greenwashing. Yeah. Um, But what is the kind of direct link there? Like, can you explain that kind of how you were explaining it to us yesterday?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, lots of sort of different entry points for it. but one that I think is interesting. I mean, you mentioned the greenwashing, which is sort of a helpful, you know sort of entry point. Um, one of the major supporters of this park um, is an outfit called Wildlife Conservation Society. Enormous yeah. organization. Um, they're based out of the Bronx Zoo. Um, you know, they're sort of like the World Wildlife Fund. There's like a handful of these sorts of organizations all over. Mm. Um, you know, first of all, just look at like, you know, you can go on their website. Look at Wildlife Conservation Society's corporate partners. You know, it's like outfits like Chevron, Dow Chemical, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um JP yeah. Morgan Chase, um Mitsubishi. Robes Yeah, and so you know, basically like uh, all the actors who, you know, are most immediately responsible for the climate crisis.
0: And anybody who's ever napalmed a forest just to get one yeah, little right. kid Yeah, yeah burned totally. To death. Totally. Yeah.
2: Backroom boys at Dow. Yeah. Um, and so all the you know all these everyone who's ever you know basically um, had any sort of role in in the climate crisis, all the sort of worst actors getting together behind this enormous sort of greenwashing front, you know, because there's like a tree as the logo. Um, but also for like a lot of these governments, you know, you look at these governments, German government, U.S. government, so forth. If you really because a lot of this is justified in terms of like oh you know the climate crisis this and that whatever, you know, if you really want to do something about the climate crisis and you're the German government, well, one thing you can do is dismantle sort of german dependency on fossil capital you know ditto for the u.s but you don't want to do that you know that's bad for you know that's bad for everyone's bottom line what you can do is kick you know 10 20 million euros whatever in the direction of a sort of murderous enterprise in the global south blame it all basically on indigenous people um and uh you know sort of uh, um support these sorts of uh Murderous campaigns, push people off their land. But also there are a lot more direct links to the sort of like longer histories of colonialism, racism, eugenics, so forth. So like a lot of these parks, and this is all over the world, Mm -hmm. not just in Congo, not just in Africa. A lot of these parks are on something that's, you know, sometimes called the Yosemite or the Yellowstone model. Like basically... Modeled after, um, you know, Yosemite, where you know, in Yosemite in particular, you had after the state of Ca- California declared a literal war of extermination, and it was called that, uh, you know, against Native people. Um, you had all these self-styled conservationists like John Muir coming in and saying, like, look at this, you know, beautiful, uh, virgin, unpeopled wilderness. How great would it be <laughs> if it were turned into? a tourist attraction for white people, you know, and that really was, you know, sort of the approach and Muir, you know, it was no secret to Muir or any of these other people that these were areas that were inhabited, you know, when they take Mm -hmm. pictures of these sorts of parks, they'd avoid the areas that are habited to sort of perpetuate the, you know, virgin wilderness myth, which by the way, like, you know, that's one of the core constitutive elements of all like colonialist projects everywhere, you know, like in the US, in South Africa, you know, settlements in Israel, so Anyway, um, then you got, moving from John Muir, who said heinous shit, by the way, like when he you know, would see um, sort of uh, homes of native people, he called them the unsophisticated wigwams of savages, had heinous shit to say about um, sort of native people. But mm-hmm. in these circles, John Muir was treated as like a moderate even, um, because the people he was surrounded by were literal fucking eugenicists. And so you look at like, um, you know, big important example, somebody who was really inspired by Yosemite was teddy roosevelt um Mm. working with people like madison grant um madison grant wrote the book the passing of the great race um which teddy you know like you know the nordic race is dying out you know because it's intermarrying with inferior races, blah, 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 blah. Um, Grant uh, wrote that book. Adolf Hitler called it his Bible. Um, Teddy Roosevelt also loved the book. And Grant and Roosevelt got together to create the New York Zoological Society. Um, And the New York Zoological Society, among other things, was involved in bringing a kidnapped Congolese person to the Bronx Zoo, and putting him on display. He was called Otabenga, putting him on display in the monkey house in the Bronx zoo in a cage. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, several years later, this, organization changed its name and became the Wildlife Conservation Society, one of the major organizations just talking about supporting this campaign of violence against indigenous people in Congo. And so one thing mm-hmm. I like to say is, you know, they they finally apologized for that um, in 2020, you know, so like 112 years too late, um, they put out a real half-assed public apology, uh, yeah. Wildlife Conservation Society did. But even while they're publicly apologizing for putting Um, a forest dwelling person from Congo in a cage in the monkey house. Um, They're 112 years later supporting park guards, literally raining bombs down on indigenous heads in Eastern DRC. You know, how little changes in a hundred fucking years, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, first of all, that is, it just, I mean, that, that seems to have actually been a pretty common practice, Around a hundred years ago, I mean even less than I guess a hundred, yeah. Is just taking black people from Africa and like essentially displaying them on zoos. I know in zoos, I know there's a pretty famous photograph of uh of some of some black people basically being jeered at in a zoo. I think in Denmark. Although don't quote me on that. But one of those, probably Belgium, frankly. Um you know, I think it's kind of impossible to separate a lot of this stuff, you know, stepping back or a little bit back at a time a little bit, separate a lot of this stuff from Europeans um, management, let's say of the Congo in particular, Uh, because I think if there's one thing that even like the layman who are the layman's knowledge of, of, of European involvement in Africa will be, it's of course is like the brutal campaign of like extermination waged by King Leopold in the Congo. And then famously uh, you know, the assassination of Patrice Lumumba um, in I think 61, I believe. Uh and uh and of course that it basically descent into just dictatorship and really <laughs> rough rough few decades following that. Um and so I, I guess like just to, to even to even step back and, and to and to bring us into the present moment, like really like from from early European uh contact with the Congo until now, it seems like there's a pretty through line uh of, of brutality, essentially. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, that's it. It's sort of,
2: uh, you know, this is uh, one of the sort of primary reasons um, I uh, uh, was interested in sort of beginning working in Congo. You know, this is an area that's really sort of been carved out as a sort of like, you know, European backed charnel house over and over again, Um, you know, mostly to, uh, you know, underwrite sort of enormous leaps in sort of technological development. So you alluded, you know, a little bit to Belgian colonialism. You've got the um, sort of, era um in which you know it was run the Congo was run as sort of a personal fiefdom for mm-hmm. this guy King Leopold II um in that period somewhere between 5 and 10 million um Congolese people were killed yeah. um mostly to provide you know sort of so-called red rubber um to provide rubber that really became the bedrock of the sort of fordist automobile right. manufacturing boom um you know which is also interesting And connection with thinking about the climate crisis and the fact that the climate crisis is, you know, the excuse used for, you know, massacring Congolese people today. But nonetheless, And then you've got, you know, as you mentioned, um, uh, you've got sort of the Belgian Congo that runs until 1960. And then come 1960, the Congo has basically its only, you know, really, truly democratically elected leader, Patrice Lumumba. Lumumba is allowed to run the country for nine months um, and uh, is assassinated through um, uh, a plot that's sort of the product of collusion between the Belgians the U.S. government and the United Nations. And, you know, a lot of people miss the U.N. role with this. But there's mm. a really good book uh, by Luda DeWitt, um, The Assassination of Lumumba, that's really like chapter and verse on the U.N. role. Uh, but nonetheless, mm. I mean, it's if you look at the Congo crisis, that period where, you know, everyone's scrambling to assassinate Lumumba, it's really sort of remarkable the shit that went down you know basically the two most mineral wealthy provinces in the country um, western governments backed uh, enormous sort of secessionist movements the biggest one was called Katanga Um, the sort of gendarme that you know led the secessionist movement was literally led by you know a bunch of white European mercenaries almost all like former Italian fascists members of the Waffen SS and dudes from uh, you know like Rhodesia South Africa so forth Um, uh, the CIA provided French fighter jets to support this um, sort of outfit they killed somewhere between 60 and 70 thousand members of this one ethnic group that was resisting before the end of 1960 alone so it's like a five six month period Um, and uh, then ultimately um, you know through again sort of collaboration between the CIA the UN and, and the Belgians, um, you've got Lumumba, who was not a communist, was not, you know, this is like, This is one of the reasons Congo is one of the places where a lot of the sort of bullshit about U.S. foreign policy during the Cold War goes to die. You know, there was not, there there wasn't even a sort of like looming specter of Soviet intervention or anything. Um, There's just nothing. But anyway, you know, just sort of like a basic uh, commitment Mm to um, independence from sort of neo-colonial control of resources. But anyway, um, uh, Lumumba is uh, sort of rounded up with intelligence reports from the CIA, shipped off to um, the province. We have the gendarme led by the Nazis and so forth, um, and, uh, you know, chopped up and dissolved in acid. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got remarkable shit coming out of the Eisenhower White House and the sort of key people in the U.N., people like Andrew uh Cordier was his name, was the American head of the U.N. in Congo temporarily. You know, stuff like Lumumba is Africa's little Hitler. Yeah. Uh, right, you know, never right. mind the fact that, like, you know, actual fucking members of the Waffen-SS are exterminating 70,000 members of one ethnic group um, with with CIA support. You know, that doesn't frustrate such sort of polite moral formulations. Um, but really sort of heinous shit. Um, and then after that, uh, as you alluded to, you've got three decades of... Uh, dictatorship under this guy Mobutu um, part of the reason that the CIA was so enthusiastic about continuing to support Mobutu, yes, he facilitated all the minerals being sucked up out of the Congo, of course, um, but also he used the Congo as sort of a platform uh, to facilitate the U.S. foreign policy objectives in Angola, where the U.S. Right. was literally working alongside soldiers of apartheid South Africa. Um, you know, And in the Reagan years alone in Angola, you got something like a million people um, dead because of... You Know, because of the sort of U.S. foreign policy commitments there. So anyway, and and by the way, you know, we mentioned sort of like you know the whole like Dow thing with the yeah um, with the napalm. Uh, interesting, or yeah, it was was it Agent Orange or napalm? No, it was it was napalm, right? Dow Chemical. Napalm. I think
0: it was. Well, it was definitely Agent Orange, but. Ah, fuck. Okay, Believe well, you know, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
2: shows how much I know, but nonetheless, well, both are a, useful it, for it, deforestation. With napalm, you know. Speaking of napalm, um uh, speaking of napalm, um uh, Andrew Young later testified. You know, he had first heard of napalm being used. In the war in Angola, where the U.S. backed Portugal against Mm. the sort of anti-colonialists, and then when you know the sort of Portuguese fascist order collapsed, um, the U.S. started working with apartheid South Africa because yeah, you know, I mean, same difference. Um, So anyway. Point is, um, you've got sort of three decades of dictatorship, and then Mm -hmm. after that, um, uh, you know, you've got the end of the Cold War, and basically at the end of the Cold War, a bunch of sort of Western and Soviet-backed stooges throughout the continent collapse because they lose their sort of, you know, political utility, whatever. yeah, 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 Um, there's no trade anymore, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, And so you had, in that period of, like, enormous instability throughout the continent, um, again, substantial u.s support for an enormous invasion in 1996 spearheaded by uh uganda and rwanda you know two most powerful neighbors of the congo where Mm -hmm. you know that sort of begins the war that continues until today in that conflict alone you've got somewhere between five and six million people dead um Mm. at one point in the conflict like in 2002 um You look at uh, the UN Group of Experts report, you had um, people literally being forced at gunpoint to, you know, pull this mineral Columbite Tantalite out of the ground. Again, Coltan, like, you know, the material bedrock of leaps in, you know, revolution in Um, microcomputing. And you've got really ridiculous examples. Like, um, there's an example of uh, executives at uh, Citibank on the phone with commanders of uh, rondon backed proxy forces. Like, we need more Coltan because of the Christmas release of the fucking Sony PlayStation 2. You know, like, Again, a really direct relationship between enormous I mean, suffering and destruction yeah. in the Congo and really substantial leaps in development um, in uh, in the rest of the world, um, and that you know pretty much brings us up to the present when there are where there are lots of sort of foul and destructive neo-colonial enterprises sort of operating all around with tons of uh, European uh, you know support or tons of support from governments in the global north, and this park's just one of them. Yeah. Well.
0: well Robert, I mean, that, that, you know, basically in this sort of history, this brief history of the Congo that we've just went through, a Congo in the 20th century. Now that we're in the 21st century, you know, there is technically no longer a Congo, you know, a, a war or a crisis, although there is a lot of armed conflict in the country. Um, but there, there, there's this militarized sort of park guard force that is just going I mean, reading through some of this report, I mean, going through these villages and just spraying them with machine guns, yeah. you know, hitting them with mortars. I mean, we're talking about villages of, of 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 just people living living here in this park, hitting them with mortars, RPGs, machine guns. And it's just it's it's sort of astounding. And and one wonders, I mean we talked about this yesterday, is the question here is, is what on earth would these people like the actual Congolese people get out of this? And that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to, to, to an outside observer here. And and something you pointed out is there's actually nothing, nothing in it for them whatsoever.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like, um, it's true. It's, you know, it's sort of funny. I talked about the sort of people trying to, uh, um. Uh, you know, trying to kill my colleague and I, um, you know, we were tipped off by tons of different sources about this. Um, and so, you know, we know the sort of different sort of high-level people are involved with it. One of them is uh, his actual title um, at the park is the Charge A for the Bone Protection of Gorillas. Um, and uh, you know, I thought like, good fucking job, Robert. You got the most freak show reason. You know, I mean, Trotsky Trotsky got assassinated like opposing international Stalinism. You know, you get your ass killed uh, for the Bone Protection of Gorillas. Um, you know, so I mean, <laughs> the, it, the, 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 but I think it's a good, I think it's a good example example of sort of, um, you know, at base, the outfit in the Congolese government, that's like most media immediately, technically legally culpable for this at the end of the, it's almost a hundred percent funded by, um, European governments, like uh, literally, I mean, yeah. almost 100% funded by European governments. And it basically, historically and at present, entirely takes its marching orders um, from countries in the global north. It is by far the most neocolonial sort of institution in the country. And yeah, they've got no reason to um, sort of be massacring indigenous people um, so that white people can come in and take pictures of monkeys. I mean, really, like there's, mm-hmm. there's no reason for the Congolese government to want to do that. Apart from... From really enormous um, uh, funding, Subsidies. you know, yeah, yeah right, right. right. Um, uh, uh, from these governments, but also it's not just money, you know. I mean, the other thing is that, like, we talked about the history every sort of major stop along the way these parks are created by colonial powers then you know some fucking little shit who's the son of the last uh, minister of the colonies comes in and expands the park so forth and then at key moments you've got military style training military mm-hmm. equipment being provided by these outfits um you know in the international scene and that's another thing like we talked about wildlife conservation society um you know they want to act like they're the best friends of indigenous people and they've never done anything wrong you know among other things they brought in um israeli private military contractors after by the way after being um notified um in writing of uh you know sort of really serious problems you know really serious shit going on with the park parkards are supporting this
0: is really recent then
2: well yeah so i mean it's actually there's a little bit of a uh, it's a little diff. It's a little bit opaque, so it's difficult to know exactly which year um, they stopped working with the Israeli private military contractors, or exactly when the PMCs stopped working in the park. But basically, yeah, um, you know, in the immediate run up, at least to this sort of uh, enormous campaign of violence, um, you've got. Uh, these Israeli private military contractors being brought in to provide combat-style training to the park guards who, you know, are turning around, running around, and engaging in this sort of heinous violence. After, you know, they're done working with, which, by the way, you know, these are Israeli PMCs with this outfit called Maisha. Um, You know, there's a glowing article about them in Smithsonian from like five years ago um, where the head of the outfit brags that they're drawn from the inner sanctum of Israeli intelligence, talks about, you know, combat experience in Lebanon, um, you know, things like this. Um, uh, and uh, after, you know, sort of working with them, um, uh, uh, the Wildlife Conservation Society continued to provide direct training, like with a guide directly hired by um, Wildlife Conservation Society, even while it's receiving in writing notifications like the park's gonna, you know push all these people out by force. The park is, you know, sort of executed indigenous people while their family members yeah. were forced to watch and white villages Lord. off the face of the earth. They maintain this substantial support. So it's not even just the funding. It's these international actors really have a very direct and substantial right. role, um, you know, in a lot of different ways.
1: And if those are your direct goals, pushing all those people out and executing all those people, I mean, I guess yeah, right. you do want to go to the Israelis, right? They- <laughs> Wouldn't know how to do it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I was, I was going to say the Israelis are actually the perfect people to train them because yeah, go into some somewhere where people clearly don't want you and then kill as many men, women, and children as you can. Um, I mean, so really it's actually a fairly fair choice for them. Um, yeah, I mean, so t- can you, can you tell us about the Batwa people a little bit? Um, you yeah. know, they, you, you said they've lived there for thousands of years. Uh, how many people are we talking about here? How many villages are we talking about? How many people have been... I mean, you said they were displaced mm-hmm. uh, You know, when this when this park was first founded. I mean, were they just like kicked to the edges of it? Were they dispersed through the cities, through the country? Like, what happened to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, the population estimates vary as well. Probably this whole... So it's, you know, it's technically the Batua of Um Probably something like 10,000 people in total, in total. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the people that we're really sort of um, immediately talking about here. The people who have been sort of pushed out in these campaigns of violence are something like 2,000 people. Um, Uh And, uh, you know, when they were initially sort of expelled uh, from that, and that's the other thing that's really important. Like, you know, if there's, uh, there are these international um, campaigns, you know, there's one called the 30 by 30 uh, in these UN sort of negotiations about what to do about the climate crisis and biodiversity crisis. Um, one of the proposals is by 2030, turn 30 percent of the planet's landmass into these sorts of national parks. Um, and if you look at the area in question that's like really rich in biodiversity, kel surprise, it's something like 60 or 80 percent Land belonging to Indigenous people. Well Was that some well, I was sort of fucking say,
0: coincidence. The, they're not about to turn like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Montana into it. Like I mean, Manhattan, Manhattan the, there, the most middle rich yeah, area. they're like, well, yeah, area. Actually, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, the Bronx or, or you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, right. it's you know, Hamburg, Germany is being, <laughs> right. t- yeah, I'd support no, yeah. that. Fuck. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's yeah. A, Let's that, turn Brussels that's thing that's, into a national yeah. park. That's what so much of so much of this sort of like. Um, progressive uh environmentalism or like this sort of i I don't know i don't even know how to describe it i guess this sort of mainstream environmentalism it it really is like pushing i mean there's all this talk like oh the you know the third world is going to suffer the brunt of this but it's like they're also being forced to shoulder the burden of like a lot of these sort of i don't even know what to call them solutions to it or whatever because the solution is to turn all of these huge parts of of these sort of purposely underdeveloped nations into essentially preserves by these like Western led, you know, regimes. It, it i mean it it seems a little ridiculous it's like well you guys unfortunately did not invent uh, mass industry in the same or like you know the you guys didn't have the industrial revolution the but same the time underdevelopment we did the so development
1: of the south is key to the development of the north exactly. i mean that's always been so the case and so you see it with if there's going to be a green transition it's going to have to be the same and the same the same dynamic is going to have to continue in order to propel that production Transition in the
0: in in the north, right? It's greenwashing on an insane yeah. level yeah. because it's being done in this way that I think it's like green inception. Yeah, it, it just like all like it's a, all these environmentalists like, well, I don't know, it seems like a good idea. Like you know, they they shouldn't they shouldn't be. I mean, China, you see China talk about this all the time. It's like, well, you guys got to do it. <laughs> like, how come we don't get to do it?
1: Well, and so that's why you see a lot of, I mean, you know, for various reasons lots of different political reasons, but a lot of governments in Africa saying, like, we're not saying anything bad about China right now. <laughs> like yeah. they're At least they're building us some hospitals right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least we're starting to develop some things. Yeah, they'll build
0: you a bridge. Yeah. yeah.
2: Right. Uh, well, and, you know, I'd be all for a policy of turning the manic depressive hamlets known as white suburbia into a uh, national <laughs> park. That'd be awesome, man. Like, militarized conservation there. But no, I mean, that's it. It's like, at the end of the day, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I... I I absolutely think that, you know, the climate crisis poses an existential threat to organized existence. I think it's also clear that, you know, the problem here is sort of industrial processes that started in the Colonial era, you know, like, I mean, really, if we're talking about, I mean, really, like, yeah, one of my favorite books is Year 501 by Noam Chomsky, you know, and talks about sort of, you know, written in, what, 93, and talks about, you know, we inhabit a world that has a 500-year history that really begins with, you know, M- genocidal destruction of you know mm-hmm. indigenous peoples throughout um, throughout the so-called new world you know okay so if that's our entry point for like the development of industrial processes whatever that sort of bring us where we are today are we really going to um, uh, allow ourselves to believe that the solution lies to that or the solution to that lies in these structures literally created by the same um, uh colonizing powers in the same exact moment employing the same sorts of violence. It's like a big fucking joke. Um, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, loosely related, but you know, maybe a little bit interesting. I'll say it quickly. Um, you know, I've also done some work, um, In the south of Congo, where you've got this really important metal, um, cobalt, um, which you know, cobalt's crucial to lithium-ion batteries, um, which are
1: crucial to the green revolution. Yeah, right,
2: right. Uh, You know, and here again, um, uh, there are people who would say, you know, um, the solution or one of the key elements of the solution to the climate crisis is just everyone should be driving, you know, an EV. You know, every just get rid of internal combustion engines. Well, you know, Mm. we've done work on, you know, looking at these industrial mining outfits, which yes. Some are based in China. Some are like based in the fucking Canary Islands. Some are like, you know based in Canada, you know, publicly Mm -hmm. traded in Canada, based in Switzerland, whatever, some American companies. But nonetheless, you know, again, you have these companies responsible for heinous abuses um, Mm. uh, against uh, Congolese people, but also industrial pollution on an enormous scale. You know, we did a documentary for Al Jazeera English about how the, you know, bringing these minerals up results in people's DNA being scrambled. Um, You've got really, really heinous um, congenital malformations, you know, and babies you know are being born Wait, like with their yeah
0: people's dna being scrambled yeah
2: one of the congolese uh, scientists that we interviewed who talked about it literally analogized it to uh, the effects of in vitro radio uh, uh you know in vitro exposure to radiation from hiroshima and nagasaki like Jesus really Christ. enormous um really enormous negative health impacts associated with it impacting like An enormous part of the population in the south of Congo on top of um, uh, really serious organized human rights abuses, uh, so forth. And here again, it's like the way we're going to solve the climate crisis, you know, which is, uh, you know, a process that started with the uh, devaluation and destruction of Congolese life, you know, in part because of the red rubber dynamic is continue the devaluation and destruction of Congolese life. You know, how convenient. It's like all of these people who are responsible for all this shit saying, well, you know, what can we do that won't impact our interests? You know, well, we can you know, keep killing Congolese people, I guess. You know, I mean, it's really like, you know, it sounds like a really reductive way of framing it. But that's the fucking reality on the ground. It's unbelievable. From these parks to the cobalt to tons of other examples as well, you know. So um, anyway, yeah, that was that was long winded. But I'll tell you about the Batois. Um, uh, one thing that I thought you would think is um, interesting uh-huh. Um, I, in my apartment in Bukavu, you know, I had like bunch of ridiculous sort of, I mean, actually they're not ridiculous. Um, uh, uh, leftist posters here and there. Um, and one of them, uh, was, uh, was a YPG, YPJ poster that said, no friends but the mountains. And uh, I had uh, um, uh, a couple of the sort of like really radical um, leaders of uh, this community in my apartment at one day, you know, at the beginning of this year, we're talking about different Uh stuff. And, uh, you know, one of them asked me, like, what does that say? I said, well, you know, it's no friends but the mountains. And, you know, I sort of like, it Talked about the context a little bit with with uh, you know with the Kurds and so forth and it really really resonated with this guy you know he's called Manasseh um, really resonated with him um, uh, and you know with the other sort of leaders of the community who are there because at the end of the day this is a community who everybody all over the world you know sort of lining up to say you know we're friends of the batois this and that wildlife conservation Uh society has put out these ridiculous op-eds about how much they love the batois so forth how they're working with indigenous people and the hard reality is yeah i mean at the end of the day everybody who sort of comes in says this and that ends up betraying them um you know even members of other communities so forth you know really sort of like all of the um, ugliest trappings of what a lot of indigenous communities all over the world experience—you know—really on um, full display with uh, with the batwa. So you know, it's just a little anecdote. <laughs>
0: So I mean, this issue of, of militarized conservation has been, I think, kind of gaining more and more prominence in the past few years. I remember there was a pretty big article in in BuzzFeed actually mm. about the World Wildlife Fund basically funding death squads.
1: Yeah, that, all yeah, around the world. Picked yeah, up
0: on yeah. Uh, and you know, it's it's, and th- there seems to be a sort of like, they like sort of function through middlemen, right? Like you know, like the the World Wildlife Fund will, will pay a guy who then. Pay some guys who then will, you know, maybe kill your eleven-year-old child in front of you, Um, and that seems to be like now, you know, you you, you're talking about how the German government really supported this park, um, and you know all these sort of like Western agencies and 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 nations, uh, you know, basically giving money to. I mean, I gotta tell you, listen, I've tried to get. Israeli commandos to come in and train us on like interpersonal communication yeah. skills um, and like trust falls stuff and stuff too. like yeah, that like yeah, yeah. how to talk directly in the mic all that kind of stuff mm. it's expensive <laughs> you know i spent my whole life savings on those 2 days with i mean yael he was fantastic but like uh you know my my, my question here is uh it, it, you know now that you've, you 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 have alerted these these Basically, these agencies, these governments, to to the abuses that are going on against the Batois, against you know the the the, the violence that's being inflicted by these park guards here. What has happened? Has anything actually changed here? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I mean, that's it. Is like uh, I one anecdote that. Uh, I tell a lot. That's a really sort of important example of this. Um, In the middle of last year, so like, yeah, July 2021, um, there was a really enormous attack. Like I mentioned, you know, our team was literally there on the ground, you know, when we got there. There's still, like, blood-stained greenery drying mm-hmm. in the sun. You know, we, we were there while one member of the community was buried. There at the freshly dug graves of others, collecting the, you know, shell casings from PKM belt-fed machine guns and mm-hmm. from the um, AK-47s used by the attackers, boxes. A really enormous amount of physical evidence. Um, we wrote a letter that was private. Um, you know, so it was not, you know, circulated publicly that was co-signed by minority rights, by amnesty international, you know, not by like, uh, You know, it's not the Girl Scouts of America or something, you know, sort of uh, big organizations. And it went to all the international supporters um, of the park, including the German government. Um, And the letter basically said, um, you know, there's been these enormous attacks. um, uh, Villages shelled with heavy weapons. Batwa killed execution style while family members were made to watch things like this. Okay so something like nine days after key people in the german government received this letter talked about it including people in the german development agency giz um, the german ambassador to the congo um a key person from giz and uh, the german ambassador to the congo Organized a visit to the park headquarters, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. to investigate it wasn't to you know get to the bottom of this it was for a fucking PR stunt they smiled for photos with the authorities you know the leaders in this park who yeah just commissioned these heinous attacks. The German ambassador to the Congo gave this big speech, you know, um, I'd like to congratulate the park guards for their dedication to their mission. Um, I I promised to try to plead with reluctant German tourists uh, to come and visit the park. It's amazing. Like if I wrote this yeah. in a novel about the neo-colonial Germans, the, my publisher would be like, yeah, Robert, try a little harder. Like I, d- I don't believe it, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's, it's how they actually behaved. OK, so then we made all this public or when they knew that we were going to make it all public then they started fucking falling over themselves to be like, we love the, you know, we're so worried about this and we love the Batois and this and that. Um, and so you, that's why you had the creation of this investigation. Um, uh, in April, like I said, you know, the, we published and the German government said it's horrible. There'll be consequences even for German mm-hmm. support for the park, but we're going to wait for the uh, findings of this investigation. Um, and basically we've actually, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, I am a believer in the sort of like, tactical uh, value of trying to defund uh, foul, destructive, you know, neocolonial institutions. We've done a pretty good fucking job, if I, if I don't say so myself, of, uh, of, of defunding um, this outfit. Um, after the after all these dynamics with the German government funded investigation being an enormous cover up, which our friend uh, James Kleinfeld at the Al Jazeera I unit, you know, sort of mm-hmm. blew the lid right off that, taking uh, sort of leaked od- secretly recorded audios, sort of mm-hmm. exposing all of Classic it. Classic James. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, his specialty. It is his specialty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after that, um, you basically had not only the German government saying, you know, we've frozen um, funding to this park. There was also this like. Freak show moment where the Czech, you know, people at the Prague Zoo, you know, were talking about providing some sort of support to the park um, after there was like a really simple sort of article in a big paper in in, in uh, the Czech Republic that was shut the fuck down. Um, and then you had a pretty big and this is a little complicated, I'll talk about it really quickly. You had a really big sort of program from the French government, which had never gotten involved in this park, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the sort of whole long history through the French Development Agency. And in the exact moment where all these sort of European governments are falling over themselves to say, this is so horrible and we need to invest- investigate, the French government was saying, actually, we want to bring 10 million dollars of euros online <laughs> and like, you know, basically underwrite the whole thing. But um, the guy who was hired by the The German government to write their report, um, you know, sort of investigating all this was the same fucking guy hired by the French government to tease out how to bring the funding online. One dude working for two European governments, one to investigate atrocities conducted by a park and for another Mm. to bring money online, like an enormous conflict of interest, like one fucking dude, you know. And so anyway, um, leaked audio of him. Um, sort of talking about some really ridiculous shit, you know, sort of efforts to, um, uh, quietly bring French officials in and only show them villages where women weren't raped and people weren't killed. So forth. Audio of that was leaked to yeah, radio. You don't want to show the rape village. Um, yeah. um, audio of that was leaked to radio France. And after that, um, uh, the French Government, the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs, like two days ago, said we're suspending the fucking funding to this AFD thing. Like I don't know what's going on, but you know, you uh, we don't want none of, we don't want any bad press. So basically, where it is now, a lot of the international sort of programs to fund the park have been frozen, um, mm. which is good. But it's only been you know the product of enormous pressure from everyone, leaders of the community, you know, our team, other people, and has come at the cost of. Tons of people being driven into hiding and into safe houses. who knows how long it'll last yeah, so
0: I mean that really is like that does lead to kind of the question of like what do you think should happen to these parks or like what do you think should uh, sort of this con- conservation method look like? Um, you know uh, you know we've we've talked a lot about this sort of militarized park guards that that really exist all around the world, yeah. um, you know, funded by these international agencies. Um, you know, what, what do you think like a, a park that is free from, from, from neocolonial influence would look like? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's a
2: couple of different things. Um, I keep going back to the whole thing being a really like violent neocolonial sort of tokenistic solution to the climate crisis. I think that's important. I mean, for me, you know, if you look at just, um, really sort of, ba- I'm actually, i I'm reading a really good book. Um, you know, it's like a manifesto by this guy Andreas Malm, "How to Blow Up a Pipeline." You know, that's, I was reading it on the plane when I was flying back to the U.S. I, I think that maybe made some uh, made, made some people a little bit anxious, but nonetheless, you know, it's just like it's a manifesto uh-huh. for the environmentalist left. Like basically. Um, you know, if, if the environmentalist left really believes its own rhetoric, um, which obviously it ought to, about the severity of the climate crisis, you know, it's time to really meaningfully take action, um, to dismantle sort of fossil capital, and so forth. But if you look at, like, the plans that are in place that, you know, different, um, sort of oil companies, gas companies, whatever, have, and this is, you know, even before Ukraine, um, you know, plans that are in place, you know, it's basic, everybody knows and you know, these governments are, you know, more or less, uh, on board with it. Everybody knows that just the, just the projects that are planned right now, you know, are going to heat the planet up more than, you know, what we can sort of sustain, you know, and then you start having these tipping points and really enormous shit starts to happen. Um, here again, the solution to that is not, um, you know, let's arrest, shoot, um, uh, uh, or otherwise, you, you know, harass um, and attack indigenous people or like really, really impo- impoverished, marginalized people who want to chop down trees to cultivate charcoal at like a subsistence Mm. level in the Congo. Like these are not the people who are behind the climate crisis. These are not the forces that are behind, um, you know, the the crisis in uh, in, uh, biodiversity. They just aren't. And so it's a really enormous sort of three-card trick to frame all of our solutions around them. And, you know, there's uh, one of the biggest partisans of all this shit um, is Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, actually. He's the biggest supporter of this other park in the Congo Congo, um, called Virunga
1: National Park
2: which there's like mm. uh, you know shiny Netflix documentary about it that I think he was the producer on oh, Bryce, you gotta
0: stop hanging out with him
1: I know,
2: sorry yeah. I <laughs> gotta leave. I,
0: uh, you know what, I hereby right now resign from the pussy Posse. oh my god, I do, you're <laughs> yeah. gonna
2: do that yeah, um And that you, when you guys are like arguing about sectarian
0: minutiae, you, you and Leonardo DiCaprio,
2: (laughs) you know, like, yeah, you know, these days, uh, uh, I'm more of an anarcho syndicalist, you know,
0: Leo. Um, But anyway, he should be in prison for that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But anyway, um, you know, uh, you've got you've got this other park Virunga. It's run literally run by a Belgian prince, um, this guy called Emmanuel Demarode. Um, and you know Leo Leo's an enormous supporter of this park. And there was this big documentary, like I mentioned, made about it. And there's a really interesting scene in this documentary um, because you know uh, the the Belgian prince is sort of sitting there with one of his main like um, deputies in the park, um, and they're talking about this British oil company that wants to come in to exploit, you know know, the natural resources mm-hmm. in the park. And uh, Demerode says, we're not going to win this battle by, you know, blocking them from entering or using our weapons. We're going to win this battle by documenting everything. I think it's really interesting because that's not the approach that that park takes to people who make less than a dollar a day, you know, who want to sort of go into the park because it's land that they've cultivated for generations. The approach taken with them is use the guns, shoot people, arrest them, send them to prison yeah. and so forth, you know, but when it's oil companies now we we got to, you know, we're not going to win that battle like that. You know, so it, it's a really good example of sort of the double standard here. Like if this were a militarized, if there were a militarized conservation that's like just let's radically oppose the forces that are actually behind the climate crisis, you know, where the fuck do I sign up? Like I'm, you know, I'm bound for that. This isn't that. This is just violence against, you know, people in the global south on the other side of Du Bois color line, violence against marginalized and indigenous people as a tokenistic, um, solution, so people in Frankfurt can alleviate their crisis of conscience over the fact that fossil capital is immolating the planet. You know, um, that's sort of my reading.
0: Well, I, I, you know, something that I always comes to mind is that, like, for you know, Bill Gates and and people like that always talk about sort of overpopulation, like in Africa. Oh, yeah. yeah or overpopulation in in, in Asia or wherever and
1: underpopulation in the world well War, yeah right? well
0: that's that's become a much more enough. recently uh, yeah. very very large talking point 1 billion Americans um but uh but you know i mean and especially in terms you know framed in terms of, of of climate and things like that but it's like you know you don't have to be a fucking genius certainly i'm not a genius to think that like well i don't know if a family of 10 in you know drc uh is consuming as much energy as like one guy who's fucking playing Switch, ordering his fucking Postmates. Uh, what other things do people do? Um, you know, all driving his yeah, fucking and car. It's
1: all just like insane racist propaganda also that, that, for the North. Really what because it is. on the yeah. other flip side of it too is that they're all then doing, all. I mean, the like micro loan financing to build these oh massive God. smart yeah. cities that are, they want to just like, You know, uh, develop out all through Africa that are just like, you know, huge, horrific population center. I mean, you know, like, complete, it's, there's a complete and total, none of it's logical, right? It's like, it's all serving all different, all the kind of same uh, nefarious purposes. It's all, it's all one, it's all one thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I agree.
2: Uh, (laughs) I I, I don't know (laughs) if I got anything. I mean, it's like all this Malthusian bullshit. I I mean, also like, yeah, I mentioned. And I I mentioned on the call yesterday, you know, another thing like there's an obsession with I mean, we we had this meeting with um, people in the German government in Frankfurt after the sort of like murder plot dynamic. And the only time in that meeting where we talked about the destruction of villages, things like this, only time this goon with this German development bank um, uh, used the word tragic was when he was talking about deforestation. Um, like that was the only time he (laughs) used the word, like that's the only use of anything like even connected to it, you know? Um, and he really did sort of, there was a point at which he literally insinuated like, okay, the reason, you know, people are being killed is because deforestation and I I said like I mean is it is it the position of you know the German government that uh, um, the reason that there have been heinous atrocities here is because of deforestation because that's like an amazing position for you to be taking He's yeah. like, no, of course not da, da, da. but I mean e- if we really want to talk about drivers of deforestation like I mentioned on the call yesterday recently the Cong- Congo's treated as a solution country because it's like pro- I think it's the biggest sort of rainforest on the planet um it's now it's a it's uh uh like in terms of some carbon this or that or something it actually sort of overtook the amazon and uh so congo's really treated as a solution country you know we got to kill all sorts of congolese people to you know like really keep these trees in place um because we're certainly not going to do anything about it all the other stuff causing causing the climate crisis but anyway um the uh The Congolese uh, uh, Environmental Ministry recently lifted like a 20-year moratorium on industrial logging all throughout the country. Um, Mm -hmm. And the justification that was provided for that was like, don't worry, we're going to expand the national parks. So put differently – if you're an actor who's got millions of dollars who wants to come in and be behind an industrial logging operation, really destroy the forest on a massive scale, that's totally fine because we're going to expand these like ready-made militarized police forces that are gunning down indigenous people for trying to access their ancestral lands or somebody who makes less than a dollar a day because they want to cultivate charcoal at a subsistence level. Like it's a really vulgar joke. It's like insane, you know, like it's tragedy and farce all at
0: once, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was something I encountered in the Philippines. Is um, you know, all, there was a lot of blame being given on like small-scale illegal logging operations, yeah. uh, whereas the, you know the large-scale ones that were actually being conducted by real, you know, in other parts of the country, legal logging, you know, firms or things like that, basically ignored. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, the blame is is like you're saying put onto people who make you know, what amounts to a dollar a day or, or far less than that, or nothing a day. Um, you know, we, we got to wrap up here. Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you, you, you haven't said his name. I think, uh, you know, in the, in the article that James wrote, uh, it looks like you guys are not revealing the, the name of your you know Congolese colleague because he's under threat by, by the government there. Um, it's several, several leaders, uh, indigenous leaders, seems like the same, same thing. Um, are you going to be able to go back there at all? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, um, so
2: we, uh, just like a couple days ago, um, uh, the sort of like core of the team who've been, you know, sort of paid to go after us, um, uh, was at my colleague's apartment, you know, again with guns, you know, they're going to, um, you know, we're, like I said, we're sort of consistently getting tipped off about everything as it's unfolding um by people who are you know, close to it you know it's as much as i can say um you know people sort of heading to my place um again soon uh, purportedly so i mean it's very hot right now um i uh i think realistically you know um For my colleague, it's going to be a very long time Um, For me as well, uh, you know, I mean Congo's the only country I've ever worked in Um, uh, I really um, You know, I don't know. I mean, I I love the Congo, Um, but uh, Realistically, yeah, it'll at least probably be a very long time before I can sort Mm -hmm. of go back Um, Yeah, so I don't you know, I don't know. Um, It's sort of depressing to think about try to avoid thinking about it lately, but uh, um, You know, it sort of is what it is. Yeah.
0: Well, shit, man, I don't want to depress you, but I guess, you know, I got to say to somebody, um, you're kind of the outside of this. Basically, everything you've said in this conversation has been depressing to me.
1: And I think for a lot of people, it would be pretty, like, mind-blowing. I mean, this is just really something – and this is also, like, such a testament to your work, too, is, like, this is just not out there enough. I mean, just, you know – a lot of people just don't know this information. They don't want to know this information is a lot, a lot of the times the case. Yeah. Particularly, in the, you know, in the US and in Europe, a lot of people just don't want to hear this stuff because right. it's overwhelming and it's complicated and it's um, upsetting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pro- probably
2: the most depressing thing that I said in this call is the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio is an anarcho-syndicalist,
0: though.
1: Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that really, that fucked my ass up, man. That's... <laughs> Honestly, we're going to have to have a meeting of the whole posse tonight and kind of figure out what to do with that. A consensus-based meeting of the Pussy Posse. a <laughs> consensus-based. <laughs> well, Robert, um, my advice uh, to you right now would be to not uh, let uh, any park guard shoot you. That seems yeah, like a stay really— stay yeah, safe. That seems, Number one, stay yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah, if there's anything we can do to help the other guys who have been uh, forced into hiding or anything like that, let me know. Uh, that is we just that. fucking— fucking insane um right. i really appreciate you you spending this time with us
1: yeah yeah we'll definitely link to all your work um uh in the show notes and is there anything you want to plug before we go do you want is there any
2: the plug like a piece of work or like a place people can anything
1: go to... yeah. yeah i don't know
2: like i'm really bad at the sort of public stuff so the only place people could go to sort of see my stuff is my twitter which is at radical Mzungu. so i guess i don't know that's that would be
0: the. point. We'll link to that. Muzungu
2: is oh, yeah, the Swahili word for like you know white guy basically yeah. Um, <laughs> so and I'll tell you if I if I get my ass gunned down by park guards one th- my one request is I do want a sort of like YPG style like martyr photo that says for the bone protection of gorillas like that's the absolutely one thing, you know yes like, no hundred percent yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. this I would be too scared to avenge you but I would I would <laughs> send a strongly worded letter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the German ambassador would go and uh, yeah. you know get, congratulate the park parkards again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah. Robert, it has been a pleasure talking Such a to pleasure. you. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll hope to talk to you soon.
2: No, right, you guys are awesome. Thank you.
1: Man, you got to get out of cobalt. I'm in cobalt. <laughs> That's why your DNA is all fucking scrambled. I'm head to toe cobalt right now. That's why you're all scrambling. I'm always like, man, you know Brace, the man who looks like scrambled eggs.
0: That's I. I tried to send my DNA to 23andMe. That un, unprompted. They were like, I didn't pay them. I just sent it to understand them. It not it. It blew their data banks. <laughs> Database. Yeah, they couldn't handle it. <laughs> they caught my shit. Well, I, I put in. Okay, well, mea culpa. Did not know that you could actually get DNA from a lot of different things. Thought it was, you know. But Thought I did- it was what? Blood? Oops. Hair? Uh, like don't answer co- that. A cousin to blood. I don't think it's a cousin, but okay. Well, it's related. Sort of share the same general home, this island of General? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, they kind of live on Wait, the same.
1: have you done 23 of me? Fuck no, dude. That's crazy. People who do that. By the way, if you're listening and you've done that, you stupid.
0: What what am I gonna find? What am I gonna find out from there? Yeah, I don't that, know. I, that I that I have some genetic abnormalities. I'm from a line of sick and twisted freaks, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, I could have told you beautiful that. Jews. It's you know my genetics are perfect. Have you seen all my moles? Here's my thing. What do you want to know about your genetics?
1: That's weird. What are you gonna figure out from That's that? That's Weird. You should think about that behavior and carpet.
0: Yeah, I just sell straight up. I just sell my DNA unprompted. To any company that wants it. Yeah. I've given Theranos, Dyson, uh, Naked Juice, a a kombucha you drink today. If you're out there drinking kombucha, it's got a little bit of the B-man in it. I
1: love this because I know these are all companies that brace – Somehow this morning has come across.
0: That's true. I will say. <laughs> You're looking at vacuum sprays? I'm looking at a kombucha. <laughs> I remember when you said Dyson the other day. What did I say Dyson? What was the f- You said Dyson vacuum cleaner. I don't know in what context. All right. But you mentioned Dyson. Don't put this on me. Okay. Well, okay. and then I can't remember the other. Co- naked juice? You, what's naked juice? Is that a juice company? Okay. And what was the first thing I said? Theranos. Oh, yeah. I don't know really why I said that one. Oh, because you said blood. And Magnum XL condoms. Is, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, also nice, something but... I've come across in the past uh, 24 hours. Uh, and men- f- Mensa? <laughs> you know, it's, that's another thing I've come across. And um, Raya. <laughs> Raya. <laughs> Raya and Mensa. Yeah, that's where I bet both of my, um, well, you know, I do the poly... Yeah, your beautiful then, wives. Yeah, yeah. But non-religious, so it's cool. Yeah. <sighs> what are we talking about? I don't
1: know. But, yeah. but we haven't talked for a minute. How are you? We spent all day
0: yesterday together.
1: Yeah, that was like literally thousands of minutes
0: ago. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm all right. Yeah, I got to go. Yeah, I got to go. Oh,
1: yeah, you got a big weekend. You got a big
0: weekend. A weekend. Yeah. You people will find out about it soon enough.
1: I already know about it, so, haha. Mm-hmm. Secrets.
0: No, they'll find out about it me. when it hits their water supply. i got to tell you, not enough people doing stuff to the water supply these days. Oh, I
1: think people are doing stuff to the water supply. <laughs> Have you tried? We should do an episode on fluoride.
0: Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sure. Is it bad or good? No one knows. <laughs> okay. I don't brush my teeth. I know. <laughs> I don't brush my teeth. You think people te- don't know that? Menthol cigarettes. Here's the
1: thing if you don't brush your teeth, you don't have to tell people because they already know.
0: That's not true. Yeah. That's for no, that's not true. I smoke menthol, cigs, menthol snus, menthol snuff. As, as long as you put as, <laughs> as much mint as possible in your mouth every day, no. you're good.
1: No, that's wrong do You don't think that because that's what you six thousand that's what you taste. That's mm-hmm. not what
0: the world smells, and that's not what the world tastes. Okay. Well, oh, granted, I have a full mouth of dead teeth, but that means that no one's going to try to take mine from me, which is a problem in some parts of the world. So Gossels just take. You wake up some 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 parts of this country. You wake up, all oh, your teeth are gone. <laughs> you fuck it you can't spend a day in some parts. Indiana, try going there and leaving hey. with every chomper. Brandon's America. Yeah, it's true. This is the recession, baby. You think he's going to die? Eventually,
1: yes, we all do. Well, not that eventually for him. But you mean in office?
0: Yeah, or like from COVID.
1: Oh. Definitely not. Probably not, but damn, that'd be crazy. That'd be fucking... You know what would be the craziest part about that?
0: What? Kamala Harris presidency. Hunter Biden becomes president,
1: actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: that would be crazy. That
1: That would be just... I think that'd be fun for everyone. Yeah.
0: Ella in the White House? (laughs) If you... Let me ask you this. What happened
1: to her? She's still... Like knitting or whatever?
0: Yeah, she's like... She's all like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, she's, yeah, oh, look, (laughs) now, okay, well, I have a lot to say about that, but I'll just think it. Um, Yeah, no, she's knitting around. Yeah, she's going to do like a Christo and
1: Jean-Claude thing, but it's going to be like knitting, and then it's all just like Chinatown, all dime square, Uh covered, Christo Jean-Claude style, but in yarn, quirked up style.
0: That'd be crazy if her ass got caught up in Pizzagate. They cooked her? Ate her ass?
1: <sighs> I haven't thought about peace Skate in a while.
0: Really? Yeah. I've been doing it. I don't know where you're going with this. Me either. Let's end this. Okay. I'm Liz. My name is Brace. And of course, we are joined by producer Ella M. Hoff, being assisted by Young Chomsky. The podcast is called True Anon. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. for You